Uh, so at the 8 o'clock, I was informed that that was Roy Rogers, so apparently I'm showing my age that uh, I did not recognize the Happy Trails song. Um, but whether you got the reference or not, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to the East Auditorium. Those of you that are joining in West and those of you that are joining us online, it's so good for us to be together, worshiping God together this morning. My name is Pastor Mike. I'm a part of the pastoral team here at Christ Church. And last week, Vicar Nathan kicked off our Happy Trails message series in which we are following along with Pastor Paul or the Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys around the Mediterranean. And so Vicar Nathan did a great job setting up this series by giving us a lot of background information on who Paul was what happened in his life that gave context to these missionary journeys. And it's a fantastic message. You should go back and you should listen to it if you weren't here last week. I highly recommend that you check it out. But as we are talking about journeys and going places and being on the trail, I was thinking this week and I was like, what are the most important things that you guys take when you're going on a journey? When you are making your packing list, what do you take with you? What do you fill your travel bag with? And what do you make sure to remember to bring with you whenever you are traveling? And for me, there are a couple of things that always make the top of my list as I am packing. And the first thing that always makes the top of the list in my duffel bag uh, is underwear. Got, I've got to have lots and lots of underwear. Um, yeah, very important. Um, I realized the importance of underwear um, when I was on my honeymoon with my wife, and she looked at my packing, and she was like, wait a minute, you have exactly the amount of underwear for the days that we're going to be gone? Where's the contingency plan? Like, what? There's no backup if anything goes wrong. <laughs> You're like playing dangerous. So now I know the importance that not only do you pack underwear, but extra underwear, too. Very important stuff. And so uh, underwear is a big thing. The second thing that I always like to remember when I'm going on a journey um, is sunscreen. It's very important to protect your skin because the thing is you never know what elements and what nature is going to throw at you. So you got to be prepared, especially as someone who is melanin deficient like I am. Um, man, that can be a lifesaver. And so you got to have your underwear so you make sure that you have a contingency plan. you got to have your sunscreen so that you're prepared for the elements. But the other thing is that you also want to bring stuff that you enjoy doing. You got to bring some reading material, right? And so as a pastor, it's really cliche, but you got to bring your Bible, right? Well, the thing is like, you know, maybe you don't want to bring the entire 66 book anthology of our faith with you. Sometimes this can be heavy in your traveling bag. Um, but I got good news for you. If you have not uh, downloaded the YouVersion Bible app. It's fantastic. So you can take that giant book and you can have it right on your device right here. And so if you even want to download it right now and follow along in our message series, today we're going to spend a lot of time in Acts 13, and the Bible app is really helpful. So you got your reading material, you got your clothes, you got your sunscreen. But I think one of the most important things to bring with you on any journey is something that you can't fit in your duffel bag, and something that doesn't really fit on your packing list, but it's important, is that you bring friends, that you bring people with you, 
I know that there are some people that are really good at traveling by themselves, but for me, whenever I am going on a journey, having people to travel with is such an important piece because you want to both be able to share in the joys of the journey, but also to have someone there to be a help in the moments that don't go well. And so for Paul, my guess is that he didn't pack a lot of underwear, he didn't have sunscreen, and at that time, they didn't have smartphones with Bible apps, and so there was not a lot that Paul could bring with him, but the thing that he did bring with him almost always was a friend. And in our story today, Paul brings his friend Barnabas with him. And when I say that he brought a friend with him, I don't mean just like a casual acquaintance. No, him and Barnabas were super tight. They were like this. They were inseparable. They were like Troy and Abed or Joey and Chandler or Bill and Ted. Like these guys, Butch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I'm sorry. I got to like age up my references here. Um, but the point is that these guys were inseparable. They traveled together for four years. They traveled to over 20 different cities preaching the word together, and they covered over 2,500 miles together on foot or by boat. That's an incredible distance to travel together and a long time to spend with someone. But it was really important to Paul that he went with a friend because Barnabas actually serves a very important function on his missionary journeys that we don't talk about a lot. And that Barnabas was the person that kept Paul encouraged on his travels. See, Paul does a lot of the speaking, and so that's what we remember. But Barnabas isn't actually his name. It's a nickname. His real name is Joseph, but he was given the nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And for us, when we travel, it's important for us to have that person that encourages us, that helps us keep going, and helps us in the face of adversity. And so Paul knew the importance of that, and so he always took a friend with him, and for four years, that person was Barnabas. And so as we get into our story today, it comes from Acts 13, 13 through 52, Paul and Barnabas are traveling to a place called Antioch. And if you were listening closely last week to Vicar Nathan, you might be scratching your head of like, wait a minute, why is the second place that they're going to Antioch? Wasn't that the place that they left from? And well, they're going to Antioch, but the other one. You see, there is an Antioch that is located over here in Syria. And from there, they went to the port and they launched themselves to Cyprus. They made their way up the Mediterranean to Perga, and then they went even further north to Antioch, which is in Galatia or Pisidia. And so Syria still exists today as a modern state, so we kind of recognize where that is, but none of these names are probably familiar up here. That Phrygia, Galatia, Cappadocia, all of these places are in modern day Turkey. 
Now, whatever mental image you have of what Turkey might be like now, you kind of have to scrub your brain of that image because this travel, this journey is happening about 700 years before Islam is even heard of in this region. So most of the people that are in this place that Paul and Barnabas are going to are Greeks. He will refer to them as Gentiles, which simply means non-Jewish people that don't have the culture and the heritage of the Jewish people with them. And so Paul is always very careful when he speaks to acknowledge the context which he is in, knowing that he is speaking not just to faithful Jewish people, but he is also speaking to Greek-speaking people that are in the area. So Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia, and on the Sabbath day they went to the synagogue for the services. Now, this is a pretty great example that even when they're traveling, Paul and Barnabas, they don't miss church. Um, Quick aside, my poor sister, she was about 12 years old when she found out that you don't cancel church in the summer because uh, we did not make a habit of visiting church when we were traveling during the summertime. So don't worry, church is not canceled. Obviously, you guys know that by the fact that you guys are here. But Paul and Barnabas didn't miss the opportunity to worship with people while they were traveling because it actually creates the opportunity for them to do what they had set out to do. So it says, after the usual readings from the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. They said, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. Now, I don't know who these church leaders are, but they're super bold that they just had open mic time at the end of their service. I'm sorry, we're not going to do that here. Um, But it creates this opportunity that the people who are leading the service, they recognize that Paul and Barnabas were men of great faith. And so they invited them to speak and give a word of encouragement to the people who had assembled in the synagogue, which I think is great because Barnabas is all about encouragement, right? And so is Paul. And so Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. Now notice what I said before. Paul is very aware of his audience. He knows that even though he is in a Jewish synagogue, he's not just talking to Jewish people, the men of Israel, but he is also talking to a Gentile audience that he is talking to those Greek-speaking people as well that are curious. They have heard some sort of testimony of God, and even they don't, they don't have the legacy of the Jewish people, they're still really curious to know what God has in store for them in their lives. And that should be a word of encouragement to us, because unless you were born Jewish, we carry the legacy of the Gentiles that we carry the legacy of those who were grafted into the story of God. And so Paul's message is not just for the people of the Jewish faith, but it is for the Greek-speaking Gentiles, and it is for you. And so Paul launches into this sermon that is actually quite extensive. He starts out by reminding the people of Israel and his Greek-speaking audience the story of God. So he talks about the exodus from Egypt and how God delivered his people out of Egypt and brought them into the Holy Land and delivered to them the Holy Land that was promised. 
Then eventually he talks about the time of judges and of kings and even makes reference to John the Baptist. Now, I think it's interesting that he does this in his sermon because in none of my sermons that I have ever given have I thought, man, I need to start from the very, very beginning and tell the whole story of our faith to get us to where we are now. But Paul is using a very specific rhetorical style because he sees that these people of faith have been on a journey and what he is doing is naming the big landmarks. Because sometimes to know where you're going, you must remember where you've been. That sometimes the only way to understand where we are now is to do that task of remembering what God has done in our life and remembering the big landmarks that we have passed on the way. And so for Paul specifically, he brings up these landmarks for a very specific reason. And it's this. He said, he said, look, all of these were landmarks and they were not the final destination. That us as a people of faith have been on a journey with God for so long, but none of these big moments, none of that was the end. None of that was where we are eventually trying to get to. So he says, look, you went on a journey out from Egypt and you had this great guy, Moses, who gave you the law. But Moses was not the Messiah and just getting out of Egypt wasn't the destination. Even getting to the Holy Land, the promised land, Joshua was not the Messiah and the Holy Land was not the destination. During the time of Judges, you had these monumental figures like Gideon and Samson and Deborah, King Saul and King David, but none of those people were the Messiah. And just being in this political kingdom of Israel, this was not the destination. Even John the Baptist, who was clear to everyone that he was a prophet, that had many good things to say, Paul even brings up and he quotes John to say, look, when the Messiah comes, I will not even be worthy to tie the thong of his sandal. You see, John was not the Messiah, and just being baptized was not the destination. And so Paul continues in his message and he says, brothers, you sons of Abraham and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. It has been sent to us, and now it is time for us to share it with you. You see, the people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him. And even though they found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophecies had said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him, and they are now his witnesses. Paul is saying, in Jesus, we've arrived. 
This is the place that God has been trying to get us to the entire time. And when you remember each of these landmarks, you can tell that God was with us up until this point. And for the people that were sitting in that congregation, this was new news. We might be a little bit desensitized to the radical nature of the gospel if we've grown up in the Christian faith. But for those that had never heard this good news of the culmination of everything that God was doing, this was good and radical news. And so Paul says, and now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, and God has now fulfilled it for us through his descendants by raising Jesus. This is the good news. The promise, all those landmarks you passed, God has finally fulfilled it, and we're there. And so when Paul and Barnabas, they are traveling to Antioch, what they're worried about bringing with them is not underwear or sunscreen or reading materials. The thing that they thought was most important to bring with them is this good news of Jesus. That for them, this was the most important thing that they could possibly carry and share with other people. And they were also kind of right. Because what Paul and Barnabas said on that day made such a huge impact that our scriptures say that as Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. They're asking for an encore, people. That this message of Jesus was so desperately wanted that they said, look, you need to come back again next week and talk about the same thing and keep telling us more about this Jesus. And they weren't being nice either, just to say it. They weren't being like, hey, great message, pastor, and then it falls out of their head the next day. No, the next week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. And so as both Gentiles and Jews received this good news of Jesus, they were ecstatic. They were overjoyed to receive this good news that everything that God had been doing had finally been fulfilled. And so in Acts 13, verses 45 through 52, we get a little bit more of the story. And at the beginning, it seems like Next week is going to be this triumphant moment where they've been asked back to speak, but some of the Jewish leaders started getting jealous of the crowds that Paul and Barnabas were drawing. And so they started to gather people who would argue against them, and they got the church ladies together, and they formed a mob and ran them out of town. But what's interesting is that before that happens, the Greeks, the Gentiles, they hear Paul's message, and they especially hear that they have been included in this message, and they thank him. 
And my guess is that when Paul was setting out on his missionary journey, he was not expecting the people most willing to receive his message to be the people who were not even Jewish, who didn't even carry that same Jewish history and legacy with them. And so my guess is that he was really surprised that when he preached this good news about Jesus, the first people who were excited about hearing it were the Gentiles, the Greeks. And I'm sure that he was equally surprised that the people who were not ready to hear the good news of Jesus were the people that he considered brothers, people that he had grown up in the faith with. And so I return to this question, when you're going on a journey, what do you take with you? And not just things or people, but what message do you carry with you in your life? Because I would encourage that part of the task of all of us as Christians is to take the story of Jesus with us not only in what we do and how we live, but also in our testimony as well. To weave that story of what God has done in our lives and where we have seen God moving and to say the capstone to all of that is the resurrection of Jesus. And here's the thing, it's important to take this story with you and to not withhold it because you never know who is going to need to hear it. That certainly Paul was probably not expecting to find rejection amongst the Jewish leaders, but to find acceptance amongst the Gentiles. And so with your story of what Jesus has done in your life, there is someone who is going to need to hear it. And so I encourage you that as you go out into the world, as you travel this summer, take your story of Jesus with you and share it with the people that you meet. Amen, good? All right, let's pray. Gracious God, we give thanks that you have done the work of salvation through Jesus Christ. We give you thanks that when we journey, you have given us everything we need, not only the provisions that help keep us fed and clothed, that you not only protect us from the elements of this world, and not only that you give us friends to give us encouragement and to share our joys with, but God, we give thanks that you have given your son Jesus to us so that we might know that the end of your story is good news. It is a happy ending. And in the resurrection of Jesus, we have confidence in resurrection ourselves. And so, God, we give you thanks, knowing that all you have done and all that you are doing has led up to this moment. So, God, we ask that you continue to be with us, continue to guide us, continue to walk with us, continue to send people in our lives that encourage us so that we might tell your story and share your good news with others. God, we know it's hard to do that sometimes, but we ask you to give us courage and strength and wisdom as we share your good news.
It's in your name we pray. Amen.